Welcome. You join us again at the table with Jeremy Marchant and me, Dave Harris, chatting about networking. We're going to talk today about the importance of stories. And I know, Jeremy, this is something close to your heart. You, you believe stories can make a real difference when you're building relationships. So let's start off you know, at the surface level. What, what do you mean by stories? That's a very good question, which I wasn't expecting. Um, so I would say that a story is just what everybody understands a story to be. In particular, although it could be a story about how you have worked with a client, and lots of your stories may well be that, they, they could be um, more general, more specific. Um, and I thought I'd actually illustrate that by, well, telling you a story. And this is a true story. Um, it's about a small business, there were two directors, um, and they hired uh, basically a PA, an assistant, to help them run the business. And all was going fine. And then these two guys were invited to a wedding in Italy. So they had a long weekend. And over the weekend, the PA, the assistant, phoned up all of their suppliers and said to the suppliers that this business was going out of business and the suppliers might like to consider um, getting their demonstration stock back. There was absolutely no truth in that um, and obviously even if it was true it's not the sort of thing you do and as you can imagine this was really damaging and not least because the wedding was ruined as far as these two guys were concerned, because they kept getting phone calls from England from their suppliers saying, is it true that you're going out of business? Um, and it was pretty devastating. When the guys got back, they obviously sacked this person, but the side effects were substantial, and they were both very hurt, and the emotional damage was huge. Um, and so they talked to me about this, and in the course of... This was, this was some months after the events, I decided to tell them a story. And it's actually a Zen story, I believe it is. And in this story, it's about two monks that are sent on an assignment by the senior monk in the monastery. And they go on this assignment, and they're walking through the woods, and it's fine, and they do whatever they're supposed to do, and they come back. And they come back by a different route, and that route has to take them across a ford, you know, where, where you can cross a river um, without a bridge. And unfortunately it had been raining, and so the river was particularly strong. There was a, a woman standing by the river, clearly in a little distress, and when the monks got to the woman, uh, they said, can we help you? And she said, well, you know, I, I need to cross the river, but I'm, I'm scared. It's, it's flowing too, too fast. So one of the monks said, well, I'll carry you across. And the monk helped the woman get on his back. And the two monks, with the woman on the back of one of them, walked through the ford onto the other side. On the other side, the monk put the woman down. The woman was extremely grateful, said thank you, and off she went. And the monks carried on back to the monastery. However, the attitude between them, the, the atmosphere, was completely different. You could cut it with a knife. The monk who hadn't given the lift to the woman was seething with annoyance with anger and eventually the other monk said to him brother why, why what's happened since we crossed the ford 
the river. Why are you so angry? And the other monk just exploded. How could you do that? You know that our order forbids you having contact with women. Let alone that sort of woman, he said pointedly. And yet you did it. How could you do it? And the, the monk carried on in vain. Eventually, the monk who'd given the lift said, Brother, I put her down by the river side. You're still carrying her. So I told this story to, to my clients, and I think it went home. And in fact, I knew it went home, because some months later, actually it wasn't, it wasn't in a sesh coaching session, I actually bumped into one of them, the one who had been particularly upset and hurt by this admin person's assist, uh, behaviour. I bumped into him in Waitrose, and uh, I said, how's it going? And he said, I feel so much better, it was just extraordinary. That story you told me about the monks and the woman... It just explained to me completely how I was still hanging on to this anger and this rage almost. Whereas my, my business partner had let it go. And the value of the story to my clients was that they could identify with the people in the Zen story as much or as little as they liked. And it was actually just a nice coincidence that my clients were two men and the people in the story were two men. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the parallels weren't lost on them. Uh, they could decide as much or as little how much they identified with the story because it enabled, uh, the story enabled them to have that leeway. It was a Zen story. I told them it was a Zen story. It was about monks. It was about fords, rivers and so forth. But the message got through. So my message in telling you, Dave, the story about my clients is to say that, according to the client, the most useful thing I could do over a number of coaching sessions was to tell them a short story. And the message for people doing networking is that the most useful thing that you can do if you want people to remember what you do and what you said is to tell them a story because people like stories they engage with stories, and the crucial thing is that stories get people into their feelings, sometimes big time, as my clients showed, and people only, adults only learn when they're in their feelings. So if you tell people what you do, and the other person is not emotionally connected with it, they will forget it, however well you talk about it. So you really might as well not bother to talk about anything except stories, which is why my advice to people, particularly if they're short of time, if they're asked by somebody else what they do, is to say, let me illustrate that with a story. I get that completely. I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. And we are hardwired for stories. We've told each other stories since we came out of the caves. I'm sure uh, you know, that is in our DNA. So, so I understand completely why stories are good and why they make you more memorable and all that sort of thing. But what I'm wondering here, obviously the context of the story you just told me, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way, you know, you were, you were talking to uh, clients and you were telling them a, a, a story kind of written by somebody else, as it were, a Zen story in this case. Um, 
so I guess if you were in an, I'm just trying without seem, wanting to seem facetious, but if you were in a networking situation, probably you wouldn't necessarily want to tell that type of story. Perhaps you'd be looking more to tell a story about something that you had experienced with a different client or, or, or you know, some service that you had performed for somebody through your business that illustrated something. I mean, is that, is that what we're talking about here? Or, or, or could it literally be any story that you're telling? I, th- I think if you practice your storytelling techniques, you can get away with quite a long story and you'll still have their attention. Well, you would never be able to talk to them for that length of time uninterrupted if you were just giving them a, a, a blow-by-blow account of double-entry bookkeeping. No, I understand that, but what, what I'm more concerned about is the, is the content of the story. But the content, I was, I, was, I was talking, my story about my clients is a story that I tell to people who might become coaching clients of me. Okay, I understand, right. So, um, so they get the message about how I work. The reason why it's got a... Zen story in it is partly because stories about stories just are even more powerful and partly because we're going to discuss something I suspect in a moment which makes this relevant. Uh, The fact is the stories about networking, I do have stories about networking, but the most interesting stories that somebody is going to tell somebody else at a networking event aren't going to be about networking, they're going to be about their business like the story I just told you. So uh, I, I think that actually a story about how you helped a client solve their problem, in your case, Dave, because you produced a series of videos, um, that is going to be the most compelling. If your job is to take people on exciting whitewater rafting holidays, you probably only need to say that when somebody says, what do you do? But if you're a business coach and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, you're a business, I'm a business coach, that doesn't help them because most people don't know what a business coach is and even more of them aren't really interested. But they are interested in the story about the two men. So going back to the networking situation then, and I, 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 I'm just, I love the idea of the story within the story. I, was, I, I suppose it would be even better if the, if the monks had told each other a story and you could have included that. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. That's for another day. But um, the, um, if, so let's, let's look at a scenario then. Let's tell a story. Uh, about um, about a networking situation. So let's say I'm brand new to networking, and I come into the into the room, and I'm not very confident and all that sort of thing. And and I and somebody says, "What do you do?" And you know, and you don't want to say, "I'm a coach" or, or "I'm a, a therapist" or whatever it is. So you think I must I must tell a story, but but I've only just started my business. So what story what story am I going to tell? Well, there's a number of categories of story you can tell. Um, firstly, you can tell stories which happened to other. Let's say you're, let's say you're a coach. You can tell stories which happened to other coaches. All you have to do is to be honest about it. So you would say, let me tell you a story that I heard from so-and-so who's a coach. You do that. Secondly, you can tell them stories that aren't true, like the Zen story, which isn't true. Is, I mean, is that not true? Are you sure? <laughs> the bit, the bit, bit, bit out of the monks and the prostitute isn't true, but the, the my clients really were my clients. No, and we really, that. we really had that conversation, and Waitrose really does exist. Um, so, <laughs> I think the monks exist as well. I know you say. Well, they probably do actually, in some other universe. But essentially, you can tell these stories because they resonate. They get people into their feelings, and the people can take 
as much or as little as, as they like from them. I mean, there's, there's a very tiny story which I sometimes tell about what I do. It's about the, uh, the Navy's most advanced submarine, which had a problem. And so it limped into port, um, and the best repairers were contracted to fix it, and they couldn't. So they des in desperation, they, the Navy called on one particular person, who was a notoriously difficult person to deal with, but he turned up, he walked around the sub, he looked at various things, and at one point he hit one of the pipes with a hammer and left because the submarine started working. You can tell this is not true. <laughs> it's those monks again. It's, it's, it's uh, somewhat fan fantasy. But anyway, the Navy was very grateful and asked the man to send the invoice. But they were not so grateful when they received the invoice because the invoice simply said, fee £100,000. Far too much for just hitting a pipe with a hammer, they thought. So they summoned him and asked him to resubmit the invoice. And so he resubmitted the invoice for hitting the submarine with a hammer, £100. For knowing where to hit the submarine with a hammer, £99,900. Yeah. So that's a story for almost any coach, any advisor, anybody in that sort of area. They can tell that story. Nobody believes it's true, but they get the message in a what is hopefully a humorous way. But that is a great story. You're absolutely right. And um, so, so okay. So I get the I get the idea. You don't you know you don't. It doesn't have to be a true story. It just has to get a message across, which yes. is somewhat relevant to what you're yes. talking about uh, uh, and that sort of thing. But again, I, I think. You know, for some people, that is still a reasonably tall order. You know, mm. if you're if you're nervous about networking, you're new to it, and all that sort of thing. You know, you can think, well, what story am I going to tell? You know, I, I heard a good joke on telly last night. Maybe I could tell that or something. And what about humour? I mean, is 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 humour a useful thing? I mean, clearly there was some humour in that story, but is that is, is it generally a good thing to try and you know get a laugh at networking events? Yes. How, however, if if you're insecure about it, it may be that you tell the best joke in the world and nobody laughs. So I, I would be cautious about this. It goes back to what we were talking about in another podcast. People go to networking events, often with a heavy heart, and they're really grateful if you just amuse them. You can just entertain them with a story about a man in a submarine, um, or a wood chopper, or uh, nuns and monks and things. It doesn't really matter. They just like, they're just grateful, they're just pathetically grateful that you're taking the trouble to amuse them. And so it will work, but you have to prepare for it. You would prepare if you were going to work with a client, I assume. Um, so why not devote the same amount of preparation to a networking event? Work out what you're going to say. Write a story of your own if you've got some particular points you want to get across. There are plenty of books and websites which give you stories for free, where I got the, the Zen stories from. You know, I didn't write them. Uh, it's really easy to actually find stories. But I would say, this is, this is, you've raised a sort of subsidiary point, which is important. Treat the networking event with the same degree of seriousness as you would treat a meeting with a client or a meeting with a prospective client. The people at the event don't deserve to be treated with disdain simply because you're not going to be able to invoice them for your time. Because if you treat them well, you'll probably be able to invoice them or their friends in the future. 
Can I, I was just thinking about the time, uh, we referred to this in other podcasts as well, the time you and I first met were, uh, at an event and, and started chatting. And we, and we didn't talk about work very much at all, uh, from what either of us can remember of it. It was many years ago. Uh, we talked about music because that was a common interest. And that made me think about the business of stories. I mean, presumably you could, you know, if you can't tell a story about your own business because it's relatively new or you just haven't got any stories and you're not perhaps... You know, you don't want to use the technique of telling a, you know, a story that is sort of um, has great meaning in it that's relevant to your thing. So, what about telling stories from your own personal life? You know, and and you know, if you are, you know, what is your hobby? You know, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a painter, or I'm a, you know, I play net, I play basketball or netball in my spare time. So, I'll tell you a story about that. I mean, is that acceptable as well? Of course. Of course, because the purpose of being at the networking event is to find out who you're going to have a one-to-one with afterwards. So all you need to do is say enough that will convince the other person to respond positively when you subsequently invite them to the one-to-one. And in my experience, most people get so few invitations to one-to-ones that they will say yes to anybody. Uh, I don't mean that cynically it's simply the case that it's unfortunately true that if you go to uh, a networking event with 30 people you will not be deluged with 29 invitations to one-to-ones afterwards which if you think about it is quite surprising in a way isn't it because you you know if you as you say the purpose if it, well, if you accept that the purpose of, of the networking event is to set up one-to-ones, you'd think everybody would be saying to each other, oh, right, when can I meet you, when can I meet you? Let's, you know. and so you'd get, you would get 30 invitations. Yes, it's, it is sad, disappointing. <laughs> um, I, I know for, from my experience that networking groups like BNI encourage their members to have one-to-ones with each other, and I've watched it happen at BNI meetings. So I applaud that for sure, and there are other networking organisations like Sterling which also um, really advocate that. I'm not sure whether those people all invite people that they don't meet at BNI or Sterling events to -to one-to-ones. It seems to be a bit, dare I say it, cliquey. It is a shame. I had a client once um, and giving a lot of coaching in this sort of area, actually, networking, getting business, getting referrals, getting ad- people to advocate. And she's, she said towards the end of the sessions, because I asked her, you know, how do you think it's been going? And she said, well, I really enjoyed this. I found it really helpful. I just got one problem, which is I keep inviting people to one-to-ones, uh, but nobody ever invites me to a one-to-one. You know, a situation which I could only empathise with. But I said to her, well, now what's going on here is you are actually choosing to adopt a leadership role. And I think if we only knew that quite a lot of the people that you invited to a one-to-one, they're not going to invite you to a one-to-one because you just had the one-to-one, but they will start inviting other people to one-to-ones. You will be more influential than you think you are. And some of them might even say, well, I got this idea of one-to-ones from this woman. So I think you've just got to grit your teeth and not have expectations about being invited to one-to-ones because, as we've discussed in the past, in previous podcasts, you know, expectations are not helpful. OK, well, let's, let's just quickly summarise that then. So, we've, so we, we've gone off the subject of stories a little bit, but I think it's relevant because, as we say, the purpose of the networking event is, is to get those one-to-ones, to start to build those relationships and trust. And stories can definitely help with that because yeah. they're going to make you more memorable. People are going to hopefully understand you a bit better build that relationship, make it more likely that you'll get that one-to-one. 
Is that, would that be a fair summary? Yeah. And just add also this thing. So I think it's really, it is really important that, that it's about being entertaining. And why would you do that? Well, because it's about making the other person more important than you. Yeah. That they will appreciate it even if nothing comes of it. And let's be clear, though, we're not talking about you turning yourself into Michael McIntyre and, and, and kind Sorry, of... Sorry, who? <laughs> famous comedian, Jeremy. <laughs> right, okay. um, uh, We're not talking about you turning yourself into a professional entertainer and, and, and sort of holding the room wrapped attention and all that sort of thing. This is just what? about telling a good story. And it is just about telling a good story, but, but I, I wouldn't demur from what you're saying because the first thing I'd say is that to the extent that you, any business person, will treat their clients with complete professionalism and skill and experience, my argument is that you should adopt the same approach with networking events and you should practice becoming a good entertainer. Um, and I, I've given presentations to networking groups, maybe 20 minutes long, and I have had every single person's attention for the duration of that event, 20 minutes. Uh, and that's what people should aspire to, being really good communicators, really good at getting the message across. It's about reputation. It's about credibility. It's about, I'm not saying you should cultivate other people's respect for you. That's a bit pretentious. But it's about being seen to be competent. Because if people think that you are a poor networker, it's pos just possible that they might think that you're a poor video maker or accountant or whatever. People can only judge you by what they see of you. And if, only, if all that they see of you is your performance at a networking event, which is sort of less than sparkling... But, but at this, I, I completely accept that. But at the same time, presumably authenticity is also really important. Yeah. So, yeah. so you can't be someone you're not. Com yes. Yes, I agree. So if you really aren't cut out to be amusing... Actually, I'm saying that, and I, I didn't really know where that sentence was going to go. I'm going to say what I think. If you cut out not to be somebody who is amusing, then you might want to ask yourself why. How come it suits you not to be amusing? Okay, well, on that interesting, if controversial note, uh, let's finish this podcast, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again next time, Jeremy. Thank you very much.